what do Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, and Oprah Winfrey all have in common besides being successful entrepreneurs? They trusted their gut, their inner voice, their intuition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz Bruner, and my guest today believes that intuition is an entrepreneur's best friend, our reliable co-pilot, Rick Snyder. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me, Liz. Great to be here. <laughs> you say that intuition gets a bad rap, that it is the most important skill we need to develop as leaders and as human beings. Why? Yeah, well, I think it gets a bad rap in one way because we confuse it with emotional reactivity. So a lot of times, because I have an emotional charge about something, I feel like it's unreliable and I can't trust it because it's my emotions. And what we actually have found out in research is that intuition is different than emotional reactivity. Even though that also can be a good indicator of, of what's happening, we can also add a lot of our own past baggage to a situation where intuition is speaking to the present moment. That's why it's the best friend, because you're actually tuning into what's happening in my environment. You're able to make decisions faster and more accurately. You're reading out situations um, which give you an incredible advantage for any entrepreneur or leader. You yourself have launched four businesses. You hold a master's degree in psychology, and you're currently the founder and CEO of Invisible Edge, which is an international consulting firm. And your business strategies are being implemented by executives in Europe, Canada, Asia, Africa, and of course, America. You believe that combining business and intuition is the next wave of the business evolution. That business and intuition are not adversaries, but rather they are connected. What do you mean by that? What I mean is we have to bring together our critical thinking and our intuitive sensing. And that together they make a powerful and potent combination. And too often we've over-relied on just our logical um, critical analysis. Like the which, left brain side. Yeah, the left brain side, which <laughs> right. is important. But the problem is life doesn't always happen so well in a spreadsheet or on an Excel, like, you know, column A, row five. Life doesn't happen that way. Life is messy because relationships are messy and unpredictable. So we have to get out of our binary um, left, right, you know, black, white thinking mm -hmm. and be able to tune into our intuitive subconscious, which is where we actually connect with information faster and more holistically as well. There's a lot of neuroscience that backs up the theories that you're talking about, which you share with us in your book, Decisive Intuition, Use Your Gut Instincts to Make Smart Business Decisions. How does one merge intuition in this digital age of big data and artificial intelligence? We don't take into account how much we use our intuition and how we connect the dots. Real statisticians and data analysis professionals are using intuition all the time, it's a lot of times they may not call it that, but the more they're able to build these skills, they're using their natural gifts in data analysis, for example, with this sense of how do we actually extract the narrative that the data is telling me? Which slice of the data do we want to look through? What's our interpretation of the data? That takes a lot of intuition to see how does a story make sense? How is it compelling? How does this connect? But the reality, Rick, is that tapping into our intuition, I think, is very challenging, perhaps today more so than ever. People mm -hmm. are busier than ever. Yeah. So how do we do that? I mean... Basically, 100 years ago, we thought success was having more leisure time and sitting around. And that was of the aristocracy and all that. 
Now it's the opposite, that the more busier we are and the more hustle and the more productivity, that's seen as successful. When in reality, we're breaking at the seams and we're more stressed out than ever. The antidote is slowing down. We have to be willing to carve out time to slow down and tune into our inner experience because that's what we've earned and gained after all these years of doing our craft. We have our inner sense, our inner knowing, our inner experience. And if we don't allow time to ask those questions and to tune in, then we're just reacting to every situation instead. You yourself needed to slow down and get quiet. You spent years as a licensed therapist, a life coach, a business coach. You were always looking for better ways to help people mm -hmm. reach their full potential. And yet, admittedly, felt unsatisfied to a point. You needed to get away from everything that was familiar. And you write that they, you knew it was time to shake things up for your next adventure. And you made this major change. You felt called to the south of France and you picked up and moved. I, I just, how, how does one do that? And I didn't speak French. Oh, <laughs> So, and that's a country that doesn't bend toward English. And so that was, it was difficult. It was hard. But this is, I think, the bigger point, especially with a lot of your work around letting people, helping people tap into the, a life they, they love living, right? And so I really have experienced that intuition connects you to your deeper purpose. It connects you to your deeper passions. And when we have the audacity to listen to that, then we live a life that is fulfilled. We live a life that's aflame because we're on our leading edge as a, as a being, as a person, as a leader. We're tapped into our innermost desires and what moves us. And it's when we ignore it, we ignore it at our peril. That's when we start to feel dead in that job or that relationship or that life circumstance that we know we need to change. We know we need to shake something up and we're afraid to do it. We, maybe no one encourages us in our environment. Maybe we don't feel like we have the confidence to make those changes. But I have found, even though it's scary, and it is scary, a lot of times fear definitely is part of the journey, and discomfort is part of the journey, because you're venturing out of your comfort zone, but it's your willingness to, to do that, that's where life begins. Was there ever a time, though, Rick, when you didn't listen to that intuition? And if so, what were the consequences? Because picking up and moving to France is a pretty big deal. So when was there a time when you didn't listen to that intuition? Yeah, I mean, it's happened a lot. And I think that's all, partly why I wrote the book and partly why this is such an inspiring work for me because there's so many times I haven't listened to my inner sense and then really regretted that later. I'll give you one story. I was part of a training organization with two other coaches and it was a big year long program. And this, we were pretty much filled out with our students at that point. And this one guy came in and wanted to join late. And I had a bad feeling in my gut that this person was not a good person to bring into our environment. And I was right. Yet I didn't listen to it because my co-leaders, I think we're more looking at the money and that, that overrode what I was feeling. But to be clear, I also didn't strongly advocate. And I regret that. Even though I felt it and I said it to them, there was a way where if I really stood for my conviction, that person wouldn't have been in the program. And that was just one of many examples where I either didn't listen to an opportunity to walk into or 
a, a negative consequence that I needed to just address right away. You have wonderful stories in the book that you share about people who either did or didn't listen to their intuition yeah. and how the, the consequences and the impact in some cases when they did and mm -hmm. when they didn't. Moving to France helped you not only make room in your life to write your book, but also to find and create your next chapter mm -hmm. of helping other people tap into their intuition and teaching people how intuition, business and psychology all fit together. Some people might say that this is all about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And you talk a little bit about that in your book, that there is a difference between mindfulness and intuition. Yes. I say mindfulness is what you do on the mat or on the, cu <laughs> or on the cushion. And intuition is what happens when you get off the cushion and take action. And you're actually driven by that inner knowing that you have and that you actually take action on it. Where often mindfulness is more passive, even though it's also important, and it's part of how we access intuition. So I don't want to belittle mindfulness. It's just that intuition is more of the active ingredient as well. So I'm mindful of my experience, but then I have to do something with that. It's not that's just the key, right? It's, it's, yeah. That's the key is the action. That's the key. Piece. It's not yeah. just about awareness. It's what do I do with that awareness? And am I living from that intuitive intelligence? Can intuition be learned then? And if so, how do we go about learning more about our intuition? 100%. And so like any major skill like athletics or art or musician, if you're a musician, there, there are people that have some more natural talent than others. That's just how it is when we come down here. Apparently, some people are better at you know playing the violin naturally. They have that talent. Some are great chess players. We have great athletics. Some people are just gifted in certain ways, and that's just how it is. And if you practice your scales every day, you're going to be a better musician. But how do you practice intuition? Mm -hmm. So the book is basically broken down into six steps yeah. to help you build your... It's like your dribble drills from basketball of helping you build your intuitive skills. Part of it is helping you recognize what's my intuitive language because we all have a different intuitive language. So for example, if you're listening to this, how do you get information? And here's one way we assess in the, in the beginning. When you had a sense about something in the past, an intuitive sense, how did it come to you? When you think back to a moment right now where you knew you should have listened to that sense that you had and either you did or you didn't, it was a poignant moment for you right now. How did it come to you? Did you get an audio message where you heard something? Did you see a visual where you got words or images or a picture of something? Did you get a, a sense? Did you get a literally a kinesthetic sense in your body? Like a tingling. A tingling, yeah. uh, literally a feeling in your gut, mm. in your throat, mm. in your solar plexus, in your heart. Was there a temperature change? Was there a feeling of cognizance, like of knowingness, like an all-knowingness about something right away? without any conscious reasoning. You just knew something was true. Sometimes people get it in their dream states where their subconscious mind speaks to us in our dream states because the conscious mind is getting to rest so the subconscious can do all the work in the background. It's amazing how active the subconscious mind is sometimes, isn't it? One of my favorite stories in the book is an inventor who makes chocolate, he's a chocolatier. He had these dreams of these two chocolate pieces, pieces of chocolate equipment and he actually saw the schematics in his dream, and he woke up at 2.30 in the morning, drew what he saw, and then the next day he started to build it. And he literally brought these products to market, and they did not exist in the chocolate world. And so he now sells pieces of equipment to chocolatiers because of his dream states and his intuitive language that he was open to. 
and he's a scientist. His background is in chemistry and science, and what he said made it give, gave him an advantage in the world of an entrepreneur is he was bi-hemispheric, dual hemispheric, where he honored his left brain and wanted rational proof, but also honored his right brain and his creativity and his intuition. And it's because he was able to integrate both of them allowed him to have that invisible edge. Why is it hard for people in general to balance both the left and the right brain? How do we find that right balance? Yeah, so often we're either identified with one or the other. And an example, like I've worked a lot with creative types who are feel like they're allergic to finances and money and digits and data <laughs> and research, and they just want to create. And then I've worked with the opposite, sure. where there's a lot of engineers and R&D lab or leaders, tech people, tech people yeah. scientists, who we've worked with a lot, who are very skeptical about anything that is you can't prove right away or you can't touch or feel or see right away. There's a skepticism. But what's interesting is if you look at science, part of the scientific method is intuition. It's hypothesis. It's like, I have a hunch we should try electricity a little differently. What if we tried electric vehicles? Or what if we tried this thing outside the box? Intuition, folks, is part of the scientific method. And people who really do science get that. That's what I found. So how do you integrate it? You have to start either balancing out more of what you don't do naturally or also surround yourself with people who have those other gifts. And that makes the best leadership Expose teams. Expose yourself to those things. Expose yourself, cross-train, learn from each other, yeah. learn different ways of approaching a, a problem. When you're working with a client and you see that they need help in balancing left and right brain and more about that intuition, how do you help them tap into that? Well, here's one, here's one thing I'll say right away. I think we have a bias in our culture against the right brain thinking and against emotional, you know, emotional intelligence, intuitive intelligence is even more like, what's that? And so right now we're starting to get a little more acceptance, but we still worship the mind and we uh, minimize the intelligence of the body, the somatic. This is what's starting to change. And this is why things like executive presence is becoming a big thing because how we show up in our whole being is important in the room. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that wasn't talked about. That wasn't respected. Or even empathy and emotional intelligence wasn't respected. Now it is, and it's changing. Right. And so I that's part of it. I think we're back to some of these soft skills, for lack of a yes. better word, because now we're seeing that that's, that's when you're taking your, your company to the next level. That's when you're taking yourself to the next level, when yes. you can get down to that kind of core. And when you look at research around engagement and productivity, what they find is the best managers are the ones who can tune into their teams and understand how they think and help empathize and when they're going through a difficult time and that employees are willing to have to be loyal and to go the extra mile when they feel like you really are you get them and you care about them and they feel that that's what makes the difference between an effective manager today and a leader and, and, and a leader and then one who is just a task manager or it's just about the numbers yeah. that doesn't work anymore in the new generations. I agree. And I think we're both seeing that in, our, in the work that we do with our clients. Your book, Decisive Intuition, Use Your Gut Instincts to Make Smart Business Decisions, has been described as much more than just a business book. How would you describe it? And who should be reading it? You know, it's, I've, this has come up before in some of my conversations that it is a business context, 
But I love this phrase that how you do anything is how you do everything. So how I show up to business is gonna reveal how I show up in my life. How I do relationships in the boardroom is gonna show up to how I do relationships at home and how I show up there. And so that's where it really is about life. It really is about how do I make better decisions on a day-to-day -day basis? How do I learn to trust myself? That's really what this is about. How do I trust myself no matter what the noise is out there in the media, the louder voices in the room that are influential around me, whatever the data is telling me? I'm not saying to ignore that, but I am saying to not ignore your inner compass and your inner signals and cues along the way. It's scary though. It really is scary to, to listen to that inner voice, that co-pilot, that intuition. Especially when everyone else around you is thinking something else or not agreeing with you or trying to persuade you in a different direction. You know how many times I've worked with professionals who knew right away that the leader in the room was leading them in a, in a not good direction, but no one was saying anything in the boardroom. They were all afraid to say something. They were afraid something. to say something because of the authority issues or the politics. And so how often has that hurt your business or a culture where you don't have the courage to say what you're really feeling? Now there's ways you could practice your delivery of your, how you say it in a skillful way and how you say it in a respectful way. But if you sit on your truth, who's that really serving? Where can we get your book? And where can we learn more about your work? So Decisive Intuition, um, wherever books are sold and Amazon and all the usual suspects out there. <laughs> you can also find out about our work. We're really applying the principles of intuitive intelligence in the areas of sales growth, team performance, and high stakes decision making. Those are the areas we really focus on with corporations, but also small mid-sized companies as well. And you can go to invisible-edgellc.com. Invisible-edgellc.com. <laughs> That's where we can get all this information. Rick, what does living your best life mean to you today versus what it may have meant in the past? I do believe our values change over time in the sense that our perspective changes over time and what's important to us now might have been different than 10 years ago, for example. Even though some core values might stay the same, there's a way that our perspective and our maturity changes how we see things. And so if I were to think about myself, let's say 10 years ago, I was more money-driven in a certain way, um, and, and, and I would say even more importantly, trying to prove myself and trying to prove my validity in the professional space or trying to get somewhere more from an ego-based place and that now there's a whole much more relaxation around all of that and it's more about service to other not service to self where i think before there was a little too much trying to make it and get getting caught up in the achievements i think we all right go through a phase like yeah. that at least or most people would probably go through a phase like that and and i do have a lot of natural drive and i'm and i'm that's a blessing and i love that i have that but i can get caught up in that too much where okay we achieved the goal what's the next goal versus wait a minute wow, we just did that. Let's take a breath and celebrate and enjoy what just happened and reevaluate. Like what's true now? Where do we want to go now with this? Instead of just moving on to the next goal or achievement. So I think I would say there's more enjoyment and there's more taking a breath in and a breath out. When it comes to intuition, how do we use that to live our best life? This is, I think, the most important indicator in that our intuition connects us with our highest purpose and our deepest values. 
And, and how do you know that? Here's how you know that. I bet everyone listening has had a time in your life where you feel, you have felt lost. You felt disconnected. You feel like you're not on path, whatever that means to you. But we all have had that experience where, yeah, I feel like it's not in flow. It's not happening for me. We're out of rhythm, out of sync. Yeah, and I'm in a funk and I'm, and I'm, I'm feeling lost. And there's other times where you're feeling I'm right on the money. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. How would you have that unless there was some kind of sense before that there was a path for you? That you did have some kind of path of um, fulfillment, of purpose, of destiny, whatever you want to call that. And so you wouldn't have a sense of being lost unless there was something that you were lost from. And I think a lot of times we haven't really looked at that more closely. And so my sense is that our intuition is the thing that keeps us on track to our deepest path of purpose and fulfillment if we have the courage to listen and to take action. Rick. Thank you so much for encouraging us to listen to that inner co-pilot, our intuition, to not only make better decisions about business, but about life so that we can live our best life. And thanks to all of you for listening in today to Live Your Best Life with Liz Brunner. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and fast twitch media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.